Welcome to the Legacy Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info. Amen. Woo-wee! Wasn't the worship service outstanding this morning? Let's give my worship team a great big hand. Come on. Man, they, they lit my fire. That was awesome. I mean, it was just wonderful. The place is beautiful. You're beautiful. The people here are definitely beautiful. And the presence of the Lord is in the house, and that's always beautiful. Amen? Praise God. I got a beautiful lady that came with me. She's been traveling with me for 52 years. And so uh, I told her, I said, if she ever leaves me, I'm going to follow her. I'm not going to let her get very far out of my sight for sure. And so we've been, we've been doing ministry now for 39 years, fixing to go on our 40th year ministry. Can you give the Lord a hand for that? Isn't that good? God is good. I wanted you to turn in your Bible with me this morning to Luke chapter 6. You know, before I, I share the Word of God, I'd like to share a funny. I, I love uh, doing funny stuff or telling funny things here. A lot of times I'm... I'm not that funny, but people laugh, and so I guess it's okay. So this here was actually given to me, one of our youth and of our church, and it says nine words women use. Nine words women use. Number one is fine. (laughs) Women say fine. This is the word women use to end an argument when they are right and you need to shut up. (laughs) Number two is nothing. This is the calm before the storm. This means, this means something, and you should be on your toes. Arguments that begin with nothing usually end fine. <laughs> Number three, go ahead. This is a dare, not permission. Don't do it, guys. Number four, a loud sigh. This is actually a word. It's a nonverbal statement often misunderstood by men. A loud sigh means she thinks you're an idiot and wonders why she's wasting her time standing here and arguing with you about nothing. Amen. Amen. That's, the next one, is, that's okay. This is one of the most dangerous statements a woman can make to a man. That's okay means she wants to think long and hard before deciding how and when you will pay for your mistake. (laughs) Well, fine. The next one is thanks. A woman is thanking you. Do not question or thank. Just say you're welcome. I want to add in a clause here. This is true unless she says thanks a lot. That is pure sarcasm, and she is not thanking you at all. Do not say you're welcome. That will bring on whatever. The next one is whatever. Whatever is a woman's way of saying, just shut up. The next one is, don't worry about it. I got it. Another dangerous statement, meaning this is something that a woman has told a man to do several times, but is now doing it herself. This will later result in a man asking, what's wrong? For the woman's response, refer to number three, and that is a loud sigh. Just go ahead. Man, hey, is that real? That's real stuff there. All right, I'm going to go ahead and preach before I get in trouble. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to know exactly what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. 
In other words, when you're called to come to a church and, and preach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, my hardest thing is not is, is what message do I preach. Among all the messages that you have in your repertoire and all the messages that you've heard and, uh, uh, over the years, there's so many things and so many ways that you could go. But you know what? I believe that men of God are searching the mind of the Lord, the will of God. They really want to know and be on target. They want to know what it is God would have them say. As simple, as short and sweet as possible, but to be able to communicate in such a way, hopefully by the help of the Holy Spirit, that this is what this people needed this day. I'm, I'm here today and I believe that this is one of those kind of messages that I want you to hear from with your heart, not just your ears. In Luke chapter 6, and we'll start with verse 6, and it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. Everybody say this out loud. Right hand withered. There was a man with a right hand that was withered. And then he goes on to say, And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find accusation against him. They weren't there to hear the gospel. They weren't there to see a prayer answered. They were there to criticize. They were there to watch what Jesus would do so they would have reason to bring accusation against him. And the scripture goes on to say in verse 8, and he knew their thoughts. Jesus knows our thoughts. He knew what they were there to do. And yet Jesus still went in the midst of them because there was a man with a need. There was a man with a right withered hand. There was a man with a problem, with a situation, with an adverse circumstance in his life. And if Jesus not come in, he would have lived with that forever. Scripture goes on to say, but he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had a withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Jesus called him out. Jesus called him out. You know, Jesus is doing that in this day and time. He's coming where we're at, and he's reaching down low and bringing us up and bringing us out. Bringing us hopefully into our restoration, into our renewal, into a revival with him. But listen, he said, rise up and stand up, stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? And looking around about upon them all, he said unto them, stretch forth your hand. Jesus is speaking, and he tells him, stretch forth your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. This didn't please the people. It didn't please the pastor. It didn't please the elders. It didn't please those leaders, those spiritual leaders that day. It made them angry. It threatened them of their job responsibility and then their job opportunity. It threatened them. Listen, on that particular day, Jesus came in a place where he was not wanted. Jesus came into a place and he came there because of one reason. Because there was somebody who had a withered area in their life. That word withered in the definition of it is this. Dried up, shrink, wilt or fade or decay. It means to lose freshness or vitality. Let me say that again. To lose freshness 
or vitality. In this service today, there are people just like that. You may be that person. If you weren't that person today, you might have been that person last week, last month, last year. But thank God Jesus came where you were and lifted you up. He called you out. He wouldn't let you stay where you were, even though, listen, it might bring, it may bring disgrace or shame in your mind that if you stood up and came out from among them, that, listen, that it may, it may make you feel ridiculed, but Jesus, he came to set you free. That's what Jesus comes to do when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says here. The definition means to do what? It means fresh, to lose freshness or vitality. A synonym means to wrinkle, to dry, to decline, to wilt, to waste. It means to, uh, can be a result of exposure to excessive heat or drought. This is really the definition. It's so simple. It means lifeless or unfruitful. And yet many of us, no matter who we are and where we're at, that on our best day, we can feel this way. On this best day, those withered areas of our life, things that, that were once bearing fruit now have dried up. They're, they, they're, that there's no moisture, there's no fruitfulness, there's no fullness of ministry once again. And Jesus is dealing with that. Now listen, what did they do? How did they respond? They got mad. They got mad. Religion gets mad when Jesus moves. Religion gets mad when we worship. Religion gets mad when we believe God in prayer. Religion gets mad when we stand up and speak up and declare what God's Word says in the midst of trials and tra tragedy and affliction and adversity. Religion always gets mad. It's pointing its finger. It's wanting Jesus to leave. Jesus knew what, how the response of those leaders would be, and yet there was someone that had a need, and he was not going to stay on the outside. He was coming where you, the need were. Understand what I just said. He's coming where your need is, and he's coming there because of that need. Amen? In John chapter 21 and verse 25, you don't have to turn there, but listen, it says, there was not enough room for all the books had they been written of all the things that Jesus did. In other words, this was just one thing. This was just one story. In fact, the scripture says in John chapter 20, before that in verse 25, and 20, uh, 20 verse 30, it says this was more than a story this was a sign. This was not just another story in the Bible that he put there. This was much more than the story. It was for a sign. Now, a sign is not what's important. There's exit signs on all the exits in this room. But that exit sign is not what's important. It's what that sign points to is what's important. When Jesus wanted the people to see him as a great physician, he healed the sick. Listen, that miracle was not, it was just simply the sign to point to what was important, that he is the great physician. Amen? When he wanted to see that, listen, that, that he was the bread of life, he fed the 5,000. That sign, that was not what was important, but it, it pointed to what was important. This man has supernatural ability. This man has power. This man is a man of might and authority. Can I have a better amen? 
when he met the lady at the well. Listen, one of the things that you thought that, listen, he was doing something special for him. Reality was he was literally putting up a sign and declaring he's the well of living water. That's what Jesus is doing here. This is much more than a story. This is a sign. In the midst of of consecrated and in the midst of sanctified ministry and ministers and religion, there was a man with a withered area, a lifeless area of his life, an unfruitful area of his life, an area that had dried up. It once was productive and fruitful, but it's not longer anymore. And the scripture says, and those men, week after week, day after day, week after week, month after month, they were there with him, but there's no record that they ever even paid attention to his need. Never paid attention to even praying for his need. See, we had prayer for one for another a while ago at the end of the worship. We wanted to make sure that before we go any further, that if there's a the withered area in your life, we want to do something about it. We don't want to just sit here and stand up here, and we don't want to just look at it or talk, think about it but, or talk about it, but we want to do something about it. That's what this church is made for. That's why we do all the construction here is to draw people that have withered areas, that are broken, that are bruised, that have, are lifeless, that, that, are, that are living in a dry area of their life right at this moment. And we want to bring them in. And you know what we want to do? We don't want to mock or make ridicule. We don't want to get mad because Jesus shows up and wants to do something that's out of the order of the service. We invite him in. We want him to come. We want Jesus in this house. We want him to touch us. We want him to say something to us that changes our mentality and changes our order of service. Can I have a better amen? Jesus knew what they were going to do and in the midst of that, he still he still came in the midst of the people. They knew that they were going to mock him and ridicule him. Jesus could have thought for a moment, what, what's the use? I've been there many times and they never recognized me. They never acknowledged me. They never let me have a say. They never let me share a word. They never let me pray. They never let me heal. They never let me deliver. They never let me set the captive free. They pushed me to the side. They got mad because I showed up. There's churches that are just like that. They're down the street. They're everywhere in every city and every nation of the universe. But let me tell you, this church is not like that. This church, we welcome Jesus. We want Jesus. We sing about him. We talk about him. We read about him. We pray to him. We cry out to him. Save us. Heal us. Deliver us. I can't live like this anymore. I won't live like this anymore. As long as you're there, I can get my freedom again. Can I have a better amen than that? See, the church is not supposed to be a place, a rest home for the elderly. It's supposed to be a, a literally a boot camp for the soldiers of the army of God. We, we're, we're supposed to rise up and shine. We're, ri- we're supposed to rise up and shout. If you lose your shi- shine, you'll lose your shout. And if you lose your shout, you'll lose your shine. It don't make any difference. I'm 71 years old and I'm shouting louder than I ever did before. Why? Because I had withered areas in my life and Jesus came in my life. Jesus came where I was. Jesus healed me. Jesus delivered me. Jesus set this captive free. 
Hey, man, I was a womanizer. Now I want one woman. She's more than enough for me. Why? Because he changed the way I see things. He changed the way I want things. Because Jesus, because Jesus. Let me just tell you about this man, Jesus. This Jesus, he is our salvation. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. He is the one that sets the captives free. Can I have a good amen? And let me tell you something. When he comes in the house, he gets involved. He gets involved. Let me just say that one more time. If we, the people of God, children of God, people that are called of the Lord, people that are part of the family of God, that, that listen, when we come into a place, there needs to be something, an unrest on the inside of us that refuses to let us stay in a comfort zone, that we've got to stand up, we've got to, we've got to do something, we've got to speak, we've got to, we've got to lay hands upon the sick, we've got, to, we've got to believe God that's going to do something in the midst of this situation lady met me in the hallway and she said just a few years ago you were here preaching and my son got saved that Sunday and he got delivered that Sunday got filled with the Holy Spirit that Sunday her testimony is not what happened is what started and has continued to go now and will continue to go forever why because Jesus is in the house can I have a better amen than that what does Jesus do when he sees needs, when he sees withered areas? He gets involved. He gets involved. He, once again, he could have said, listen, they, they, they hate me. They refuse to let me in. They refuse to let me do what I've been called to do by my Father. But listen, Jesus, he didn't do that. He went in the midst of them. And he saw the man with a withered hand. And he literally called him out. He said, stand up and come out front. In fact, J.B. Phillips' translation says, he shouted, stand up and come out front. We need some boldness in the church. We need some men and women and sons and daughters. We need some young people that will stand up and declare, you get up and you get out, devil, and demons and adversity and anxiety and depression and despair. You have no place. This is the kingdom and the king's in this house. Can I have a better amen than this? Let me tell you something. Once you get involved then listen, you cannot go back. You cannot go, you, listen, you cannot go astray. You cannot, you cannot get to a place where you no longer care. If you, listen, if you go, if you want resurrection, you've always got to go to the cross. Let me just say it again. Resurrection doesn't come without first coming through the cross. You get the resurrection through the cross. Jesus, many Christians today, we want to get saved, but we don't want to do anything. Hello. Now, that's not in this church. That's in somebody else's church, but that's not in the McClary's church. That's not in Legacy Church. Come on, church. But do you understand what I'm saying? No, we, we want to get saved, and we want that baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we don't want to speak in other tongues. Oh, boy, get quiet in this church all of a sudden. Y'all was kind of getting a little bit lively there for a moment. Do you hear what I'm saying? That, listen, we cannot hold back. We can no longer just sit on the pew and be thankful that we got a seat. 
We've got, listen, we've got to raise up a banner and declare Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the soon coming King. It's much more than just worshiping Him and declaring these things in worship. We've got, listen, we've got to have a song in our heart and we've got to have a dance in our step, but we've got to have something else. We've got to have a fresh anointing, a burden removing, yoke destroying power that refuses to let the captives stay in captivity. We've come to set them free. We've come to heal. We've come to restore. We've come to deliver. We've come to set the captives free. Can I have a good amen? amen. That's what this church is about. And so it is with each and every one of us. There's not a one in here that does not have withered areas in your life. There's not a one in here. And two months ago, uh, uh, two and a half, three months ago now, I had cancer. I had a, a cancer that was in my kidney. It was the second time that I faced this. I've had two surgeries now. But you know what? I knew there was people praying. I knew there were loved ones that were praying. I knew that there were people rejoicing in the goodness of God that somehow, some way, he was going to give instruction to the doctors. They would know what to do, when to do, and how to do. And I, when I would pray, I would just ask God to deliver me from this spirit, this spirit of death and destruction. And God has delivered me. As you can see, I'm not died. I'm, not, I'm living. I'm, I'm alive. Hallelujah. I'm more alive now than I was then. The doctor, when he came in, he said, I got that old man out of there. I said, you too late. Jesus got that old man out of there. You just got that old cancer out of there. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? I'm saying that Jesus, there's withered areas in every one of our lives. There's fear. There's, there's anxiety, there's stress, there, there is depression, there, there is all kinds of affliction that are coming against us. But you know what? We've got, we've got to drink from that well we was talking about. We've got to eat from the table of the Lord. We've got, to, we've got to come in places like this and get refreshed and get restored, get renewed. We've got to believe and cry out for revival like never before, believing that God is going to bring revival, a wave of revival, that the Holy Ghost is going to come and it's going to be like a rushing mighty wind again. There's going to be flaming tongues of fire upon each of us. God's going to do something so supernatural that men cannot take credit for it, but yet men are going to be and totally involved in it. Can I have a good amen? We've, we've got to see and we've got to believe that God is still on the throne and that God's still moving mightily, supernaturally. We've got to cry out for the miraculous. I oversee several other ministers and I tell them all many times a year that listen, we've got to believe for more miracles, more signs, more wonders. I don't want to follow a sign. I want signs to follow me. I, I want to believe God for the supernatural. I want to believe God for the miraculous. Can I have a good amen? You know, there's, there's so many people that have needs. And you know what? We are those people that can help meet those needs. We can lead them to Christ. We can point to Jesus and declare that he's still the same today, yesterday, and forever. That he can still heal. He can still save. He can still deliver. Can I have a good amen? Over and over. Turn in your Bible to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. In Psalms chapter 1, listen to what it says right here. 
In verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor seateth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In the word of God that we meditate day and night. We come today to hear the word. We come today to hear the word of God. When you come into this house, the word of God's going forth. We want to hear the word of God. Why? Because that's going to destroy the works of the enemy that's coming against us. That's going to destroy the doubt and unbelief that comes against us. That's going to destroy the efforts of the enemy that's coming against us. And look what it says here. He says in Psalms chapter 1, he says in verse 2, But his delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a what? A tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither. Say it out loud. His leaves shall not wither. Listen, we're going to be like a tree that's going to bear forth fruit. No matter what season you're in, we're going to bear forth fruit, and our leaves will not wither. We're not going to have withered areas in our life, in our marriage. We're not going to have withered areas in our finances. We're not going to have withered areas and no longer dried up, unfruitful, unproductive. Hey, listen, we're going to be what? We're going to be fruitful, and we're going to multiply, and we're going to increase. Why? Because the Word of God is that life sustains sustaining portion of force of God's power in our life. Amen? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit, bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. It's not going to wither, it's going to prosper. How many of you want to prosper? Not wither, but prosper. And he says, we're going to have to put God's word first. You're doing that. This church is doing that. There are a lot of churches that are not doing that, but we're putting God's word first. We get up in the morning, we read scripture. We go to bed at night, we read scriptures. We, we share scriptures with our loved ones, with our children, with our grandchildren. As we do, guess what happens? Those withered areas begin to dry up. Those unfruitful areas begin to dry up. There's a well of living water begins to flow once again on the midst of the inside of them. I got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old granddaughters. We went over to visit the, the, our son and his family just, just here recently, and we had dinner, and we were just enjoying each other, and the next thing I know, that Emma, she's 12 years old, she, she wasn't around. I didn't know where she was. I asked where she was, and her mom and dad looked at me and said, she's in the closet. I said, what do you mean she's in the closet? I thought, that's weird. She's in the closet? What Did you uh, correct her and put her in the closet? No, no, that's not what happened. He said, she's in the closet. She does that three or four times a day. What's she doing in the closet? She's praying. She's worshiping. She's in there praying. She's worshiping. She's praying. She's worshiping. What is she praying for? She's praying for you. She's praying for me. She was praying for her grandparents. She was praying that I'm fixing to face this surgery. And so here she was, 12 years old, tears coming out of her face. But she's believing God for a supernatural recovery. 
Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? That's what we, every one of us need. We need understand. Every one of us have those withered areas, withered times, seasons we go through that, that's withered, that are unproductive and unfruitful. But the reality is we're not going to drop. We're not going to shrink to nothing. We're coming out of that place. Why? Because there are people in the closet. There are people, praise God, our grandchildren. There are people that are our fathers that's gone before us. There are people that are believing and trusting and relying line, you know, that, that God is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do. And they're declaring the decrees of God and God's watching over his word to perform it. Can I have a good amen? amen. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 5. I'm almost finished here. John chapter 5. I don't think you've got to preach long to get this, but I think we've got to get it. John chapter 5. There's many, many scriptures in the Bible that talk about withered areas Amos chapter 4, verse 7. Don't turn there, but it says that, listen, there was rain, and where there was rain, there was fruitfulness, but where there was no rain, there was witheredness. The land withered. I'm telling you, I want to be under the, the, I want to be under the spout where the glory's coming out. I want to be under the reign of Christ. I want to be under the reign of God's Spirit. Amen? In, in cha John chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep, uh, sheep market a poo, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. That word impotent means to be without strength, to be feeble. To be without strength, to be feeble, and to be weak. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Sometimes, somewhere in your life, all of us have been there. There may be other times in our life we go through there, but thank God we have a church family that's with us and that refuses to let us stay there, that refuses to let us moan and groan and bellyache and whine and gripe, gripe and complain about our situation. They encourage us with the Word. They encourage us with the Spirit. Next thing you know, God begins to do what only God can do. Jesus begins to do what the Lord does. Amen? And the scripture says that they, they were impotent, withered, weak, without strength. And he says, blind and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And then it says, for the angel went down of a certain season to the poo and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the trouble of the water stopped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had infirmity for 38 years. Can you imagine being withered, being so complex by the diseases of life for 38 years? 38 moments would be more than enough for most of us. But it goes on to say, and it says that he asked him, Wilt thou be made whole? Verse 6, Jesus says, Will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have not a man. You know what? Where many times we're looking for a man. I'll tell you something. We need to be looking for the man Christ Jesus. We're looking at the wrong places, at the wrong people. We're looking for, we need to find the people of God that, listen, believe what you believe. And they're going to stand in faith and, and listen, no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter what the report is, that they're going to declare the will of God, the word of God in that situation. But our hope has got to be fixed in Christ Jesus. Our hope's got to be fixed in this word. Amen? Withered areas, they do not change by themselves. They do not change just because of time. 
time. They do not change because just a different mate. They change because of the goodness of God. They change because of the blood of Christ. They change because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And then it goes on to say, he says, Will thou be made whole? He says, Sir, I have no man. Uh, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately he was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I'm telling you, there's restoration for each and every one of us. There's restoration. God wants to restore. God wants to renew. God wants to refresh. The Bible talks about in Acts chapter 3 that there's going to be a time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. A time of refreshing, renewal, restoration. That those areas that are withered, dried up, faded, those pains, those hurts, those anxieties, those disappointments, guess what? They're going to be pushed away. They're going to be buried underneath the feet of Christ and in our lives. And that's what God's trying to do is get us prepared, ready to accept the outpouring of His Spirit. I want to ask you if you bow your head just for a moment. You may be here and you say, I'm without Christ. I don't know this man Jesus you talk about. Well, you can. The Scripture says... The Scripture says, not just what a man says, but the Scripture says, God's holy word. It says that Jesus died on the cross for all men, everywhere. And that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart that God will raise him. Listen, that God raised Jesus from the dead for you. For me, he went to the cross for me, for you. He spilled his blood for me, for you. But in that process, God raised him from the dead. The scripture says, because you believe that, confess him as your Lord and Savior, you shall be saved. Maybe that's you in here today. Today's the day of your salvation. But there are other people in here today that said, I've got areas in my life that are withered, and I want to be set free. I want, I want Christ to deliver me. I want Jesus to come and touch me. I want, I want, a, I want a healing. I want, a, I want a restore. I want to be restored. I want to be renewed. I want to be refreshed. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of this anxiety that I live with every day. You may have any area of those, those, that word, what it means to be lifeless and fruitless. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I want you to lift your hand up. There's withered areas. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless every one of you. Can I ask you just to stand up where you're at? Will you just stand right up where, right where you're sitting? It's not, listen, it's not for anyone to see but Jesus. There's areas that every one of us, listen, no matter who you are, we've all been there. And today there's here, there's loved ones there's family in this church that needs your touch. I want a believer to go by and stand with each and every one of the people that's here right now that are standing up. They're saying, listen, I need Jesus to touch me. I need Jesus to restore. I need Jesus to make me well in my mind, in my heart, in my body. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to bring joy back, peace 
unspeakable and full of glory. I need, I need that touch once again. I need, I need to be renewed in my mind and, and, and I need him to be able to give me the confidence once again that if I will believe and confess, he will do what he said. So Father, everyone believing now, everyone stretching your hand, everyone declaring right now, right now, right now, another testimony is going to happen in this service today. People are going to talk about this for weeks, months, even years past this point. They're going to declare. They're going to declare. Look what the Lord's done. This is not about us. This is about Jesus and His church. It's about the process and the power of the living God working among His family. So, Father, I thank You right now that Your love's being poured out. I thank You that Your love never fails. And I'm thanking You today, Lord God, that You're healing, You're restoring you're pouring in the oil and the wine. God, I'm thanking you right now. You're bringing us to that, that well of living water. We're drinking again. We're being moistened. We're being moistened. No longer dry. We're being, Father God, we're being, God, you're pouring out right now. The living water flowing, 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 flowing. Jesus' name, thanking you right now. There's an anointing. There's anointing to remove every burden, destroy every yoke. There's an anointing right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Many times it's not the physical things, it's the mental things. I was preaching in Houston and preached something kind of like this. And, and there was a lady there, and her husband was on the third, ninth floor of the hospital in, in the psychiatric ward. He had been there for a week. And I told her, I said, you know, Paul, he, he, he prayed over the claws, and he laid his hands on them. And I said, I'm going to pray over a, a handkerchief and laid my hands on it. And I said, let's believe together. It was just me and the wife, and just believe together. But listen, there was much more than that. Christ came. Jesus came. The Holy Spirit was moving. And so she went in that morning, and he wouldn't hardly even let her touch her. But when he, she did, something began to work. She stayed with him all day. That afternoon, they led him out of the hospital. The same day, they led him out of the hospital to come to that, that service that night. And God finished the work that he started. He was completely made well and completely made whole. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, hey, listen, we're just going to get a little dab you do you. We're going to have much more than that. God's fixing to show up and show out. God's fixing to do supernatural things, miraculous things, extraordinary things right here. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for miracles. This church is believing for the miraculous, the supernatural, explosions of almightiness. We hear Christ say, stand up and come out front. Oh, we're not embarrassed. We're not going to hold back. We're, we're going forward. We hear the cry of the Lord. We hear the, 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 the sound of angels' wings in this place. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So simple a message, but yet so profound in the effect and the influence of it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And everyone in this room, say with me, I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I'm not holding back. 
I'm going forward. I believe I receive freshness, vitality, strength, soundness of mind, joy, peace, the rest of the Lord, the grace of God. I believe I receive. I'm going to shout. I'm going to shine. People are going to ask me, look what happened to you. And I'm going to say, look what the Lord's done. Say it out loud. Look what the Lord's done. Say it like you mean it. Look what the Lord's done. We're going to give Him all the glory. We're going to give Him all the praise. Come on, let's do it right now. We're going to give you the praise, Jesus. We're going to give you the glory and honor, Jesus. We're going to honor you, Jesus. We're going to bless you with every thought and every word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.